0: Yo, what's good? It's been two weeks, so I can bring Ohio State back out. You know, <laughs> bring well, State back out.
1: It's only been one week for Cleveland, right? So I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna wear it again for like. You been, like
0: orange is gone, Doc.
1: <laughs> only oranges we got now is the Mandarin ones, Doc. That's I- it,
0: man, that's <laughs> it. Well, well, the black and yellow is gone too. But yo, yo, mm-hmm. yo, everybody popping in? How you doing? Welcome to religiously incorrect. Come on in, hit that share button, the likes, the hearts, let us know you love us, say hello.
2: Come, on in, on. come on in the room,
1: come on in
0: the room. Listen, it's another day's journey, Pastor Jeff. Yes, sir. How, yes, was, it is. how was Sunday for you, man? Yeah,
1: you know, Sunday was, it was it was great, man. Great Sunday, Uh, Lord moved, obviously, you know, as he always does, and, you know, we had some a couple more people just coming on up. I'm just like, you know what? Just let them in. Just let
0: them in. I don't. Y'all just letting people in. Just let them in. I whatever. There Sitting sit in the back. back. We'll pick and cough on you.
1: Sit in the back. <laughs> Sitting in the back. Right next right next to the dick with the gun. <laughs>
0: listen, listen. But well, we know where to seat you. We, we know where to seat you. With Sitting the one that's packing right sit right next to the deacon
1: with the gun he ain't listen to a word i said he he his whole focus is on who coming in
0: <laughs> yep man here's a victory in the COVID era this is this is the victory this is a good sunday in the COVID era when my monitor that i look at to read comments and see who's logged in doesn't go out on me three times during the service wow you know okay. when i you know, no glitches. You know, I I put a TV out there so I can see who's who who's commenting and talk back. And and you know, because everything is, is based on technology. We we're mm-hmm. still so not concerned. Not that I'm not concerned, but we're it used to be about wrong notes or all, all my all my sermon points ready or right, right, everything right. gonna go smooth. Now it's like, is this internet gonna fail me today? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, last week on, uh, I think it was my Tuesday night live or Tuesday night teaching, uh-huh. I'm gone. I'm and I mean, luckily it was at the end. It just stopped. It just completely stopped. I'm just a preaching away, but luckily I only had like three more minutes left on the thing. You know, I go to go to turn it off. I, you know, after I said Hey man said my prayer, it was like it was I'm over was right. already.
0: Off. Oh yeah. I'm like <laughs> how long? <laughs> how long was I preaching? Luckily, it was right at the end. To yourself. Reaching yeah. yourself happy you you hey. know you're doing it you at your clothes uh-huh you, you pulling it all together you know you didn't save like four folk <laughs> <laughs> and you are talking totally to yourself all
1: alone all alone at the church all by myself just just talking to myself. It's
0: all The one said you got that bootleg Wi-Fi man you need to get you need to get off of that uh, Obama phone.
1: Hey, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you it's it's showing more and more.
0: it's showing more and more. Hey listen, Jeff, it's been three whole days, four whole days since the inauguration and we still have a country, apparently. Man, wow, wow. what do you think?
1: I right, well, first of all, I'm extremely happy that we have brought back dignity. there's there's some dignity back in the White House. Listen, first of all, let me let me let me just put this out there. I don't care what nobody say. Michelle was bad.
0: Oh, man, listen.
1: Michelle was banking. <laughs> listen, face mask and all. She she stepped out like what?
0: <laughs> and, 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 and and you know everybody's going to be walking around in purple pants suits. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to wear them to church. Let's, all all hey, women going to be wearing purple pants suits and overcoats to church. Let's practice husbands. this. Let's practice. Some of y'all can't pull that off, all right? <laughs> listen. <laughs> Listen, some of y'all yeah, gonna be man. on here looking like looking like Barney, <laughs> looking like Grimace. Look, listen, hey, I'm warning y'all now. I don't care if three hundred million people get vaccinated. Don't you come up to the Black Fest in the oversized purple balloon? Talk about you look hot with with a uh, WWF Championship belt around your waist. <laughs> Talk about you, the intercontinental champion! Don't do it.
1: Listen, I know, I know, I know. It was about pearls and chucks and all that stuff, but Michelle
0: killed it. Michelle she killed the game. Michelle I killed it. Yeah, and uh, young lady Amanda Gorman. Yes, yes, yes. She, she, she murdered it. I'm Jeff. Okay, I'm gonna say it. You know, y- y'all can hate on me later. This is religiously incorrect, but uh, I hope this ain't like a Lauren Hill moment where like the first time is the best time. And it's all downhill from there.
1: Well, she's performed quite a bit,
0: though. Yeah, I know. But this put her on the international map. Yeah. And sometimes you can go from performing at the inauguration to being five hours late to the BET Awards. <laughs> <laughs> You're five hours you late know, to the Soul Train Awards. You
1: hoping she don't do a and k Moms? Yeah, we don't need it. Yeah, we don't need it. You, you you can get K
0: miles for about fifty dollars now a second. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, they do a whole concert. They do Donnie McClurk's whole album, <laughs> even the hidden tracks. You wrong, man. Listen, hey Tim, Jalisa, good to see you. Uh, who else we got? Rashad, good to see you. Sarah, good to see you. Sister Dela Cruz, we love you. You know we love you. We appreciate having you all on. We want everybody to like and share. Listen, we have had some kind of week, and and I I I won't get all political, but I will say it is good to have uh, the knowledge that, and and I really do mean this, that we can have a peaceful transition, regardless of your 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 political you know proclivities. Uh, You can have a peaceful transition of power. You can have a a an actual. Speech with complete sentences, and I mean, you can have. Oh, it's my dude! yes, <laughs> sir, Yes, sir. Bernie,
2: yes, sir. Bernie, that, Bernie that. is in the house. he's
1: might I stick around for the whole show. Yes, sir. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around.
0: Listen, it's, it's it's some coats in this house, man. Listen, <laughs> these mittens, these mittens are gonna start going for like. at Nordstrom's. Man, listen. Whoever made these mittens better be a millionaire right now.
1: Okay, here's here's something I want want you to do for me. Um, From from what was said, from what was said and from what is believed, it is believed that Trump left a letter at the White House for Biden. Nobody knows what the letter said yet. Tell me what the letter said. Tell me, pro- I, prophesy to me what this letter said.
0: I'll give you ten million dollars if you pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> pardon me, Bigly. You got to pardon me, Bigly. Though you can't. This cannot be a regular pardon. This has to be the biggest, greatest, grandest pardon <laughs> ever in the history of the world. That's what I think. You. You. What do you think it said?
1: I think the letter said, um. I still won, punk.
0: (laughs) I still won. I still won. won. Jeff, does Bernie not look like a preacher being introduced at a revival?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He looked like he he about to rip the house down. He looked like he about to rip it up.
0: You put some vestments on him, and he is the uh, Episcopal Bishop of the First Jurisdiction of Capitol Hill.
1: When he gets up, he is he's not taking his mitts off first he gonna rip that mask off he gonna rip the mask off grab the mic with the mitts on
0: with the mitts on
1: and go go to town
0: and start singing father i stretch my hands to thee because <laughs> you know you don't sit like that unless you know how to raise a good hymn. yes sir yes you sir sit like yes, that when you know you about to walk on some pews yes sir with the leg crossed you you ready now listen you don't give him a mic with a cord. He gets the cordless mic so he can walk up and down the aisle. A preacher like he that. He
1: probably already got one on, the one to go around, the Bobby Brown zone. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He got the Joel Osteen joint. Well, That's Bernie, we so hope Bernie comes back. Bernie, we appreciate you for stopping by. Bless
1: you. Thank you, Bernie.
0: Now, you, know, uh, you know, we'll see. Hey, everybody, we want you to join us on YouTube first Sunday of February, which is January, uh, excuse me, February 7th, February 7th. And, and hear me now. It is not Super Bowl Sunday. So you don't have to tune us out, but we will have a very special guest in our YouTube only show and our YouTube only show. We are proud and privileged to have pastor Juan Rivera of the victory Christian center in Coitsville will be our very special guest. We are dipping him in the baptismal flames of religiously incorrect, (laughs) and he will never be the same again. Y'all pray for pastor Juan. Y'all pray for pastor Juan. And, uh, and, uh, Catch us on YouTube. Now remember y'all, you have to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You have to subscribe to our YouTube channel. All right. So make sure you do that and uh tune in first Sundays only. We're YouTube only. We can't wait to have Pastor Juan Rivera. That's my friend. That's my buddy. Uh, good, good brother Baptist church he's a good brother he, he, please
1: subscribe listen if you just try to watch it on youtube and try to write a comment we're not going to get it we're not yes, going to yes. hear from you we, you are not going to be able to say anything
0: right right so make, sure, make sure you do that you know he's got a little bit of soul in him we oh, got a yeah. little bit of soul we, we sang oh, a john p key song when he came and preached for us he had the nerve to start singing he had oh, nerve yes. he had nerve to yes. grab the mic and he used to sing with Big L, you know, back in the Youngstown Connection days. You know, I used to beat up at Wilson, right? I mean, the kids used to beat up. uh I, I ain't gonna. I
1: ain't, I'm not talking. About, I'm not going back there. The Bible says to press forward to the mark of right. the plans of the high calling. I'm not right. Listen, real quick before we before we move on with, I just want to ask you one question about this whole inauguration thing. Do you think it's right? Do you feel that it's right that a man who has caused so much turmoil that a man who literally sparked an insurrection. Do you think it's right? Do you think we're e- it's even good for him to get sent off with a national guard with a, you know, military type send off? I, 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 I don't think that that was, you know, that he should have been, you know, it's just my opinion.
0: I, 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 I appreciate it. I think that the office is bigger than the man, and that goes for any person in that position. And that the graciousness of our system is just like in our religion, <laughs> just like in our faith. Sometimes you get what some people might feel you don't deserve. He was the duly elected president of the United States. He served as the duly elected president of the United States for those four years, regardless of impeachments and all this other stuff, regardless of whether you agree. Uh if you're not a fan of his, don't be worried about what kind of send off he got. Just be glad he got sent off. You ain't yeah, fan, praise
1: God. praise God, God for
0: that. If you're not a fan, you know, but I'm just saying he didn't get what he wanted. You know, obviously he probably wanted a lot more fanfare. And, and so I think, you know, that the, if, if we feel that way, you know, and people have a right to feel how they want to feel that uh the best you can do is move on. If you feel it was not a great chapter, just like you want people to stop talking about Obama? You know, we wanted people to stop blaming Obama for everything. At some point, we have to stop blaming Trump for everything. You know, uh, be a country because the country is bigger than any one man. And so is the office of the presidency, whether you agree or not with their presidency or even the man, you know, so. Good point. Good,
2: good, point good
0: point. Since we're talking about pastoral transitions, Jeff, you know. We might have some haters when we leave the church or something. We still want we want that anniversary banquet. We still want that. Uh, we still want that watch. Dang, they
1: ain't coming. They might buy a ticket, but they ain't gonna show up.
0: <laughs> Listen, sometimes you gotta throw your own banquet. I'm gonna throw one for myself.
1: Hey, go twenty five dollars. Hey, go twenty five dollars. Hey go I'm gonna throw uh, one for everybody.
0: myself. Make checks payable to Todd A. Johnson. <laughs> hey Jeff, what we talking about tonight? What we're following up from last uh, last week? Let's talk about it.
1: We are following up from last week. We we're talking about transitions, church transitions. There's a lot of different ch- And oftentimes I think, you know, and we're going to get into it tonight. There's a transition in the church even when you're still there. Oh, even yeah. when you're at the church. You know, depending on how long you've preached, uh, you know, there, there, are, there are transitions in the church. Um, you know, oftentimes churches switch or change, you know, denominations. There are transitions in that era. So I think, you know, all of us uh, as pastors, all of us as ministers, you know, have had to endorse some type of transition or another. So we're excited to have uh, some great some great guests with us today.
2: We're
0: excited
1: Absolutely. to have some great, great guests. Uh, go ahead and introduce them. Go ahead. and
0: Okay. Our first guest is uh, our good friend and brother. Matter of fact, both of these people are intimately close to me and Pastor Jeff. We have no strangers in the room today. Uh, mm-hmm. First is our friend and brother, Pastor David Holbrook, who is the pastor of Warren Revival Center. Like me, he's also a musician and a worship leader. You know, sometimes you got to be a jack of all trades. Uh, and, you know, similar to myself, uh, he is has succeeded his grandfather at, at that church. His father is also a pastor. And I want to say very clearly, I'm religiously incorrect. Uh, pastor Dave has always had a heart for reaching out, crossing uh, crossing lines, the normal, typical barriers. And I just want to say, D keeps it real. You know, yeah. he keeps it real. He just don't come around Martin at the King Day. He keeps it real with the yep. brother. He's invited to the cookout. He's invited to the cookout.
1: Listen, he came to the wing night. Remember he came already? Night? night? He came to the wing night. If you come to the wing night, you good. You're in there.
0: Yeah. you in, in there. there. Listen, when we invite you to the cookout, Dave gets the real pop, not the, not the generic <laughs> stuff. Dave gets the name brand pop. We invite uh, David Holbrook is with us. And we also have the reverend, the, the doctor, Re- the state president, The man, the myth, the legend, somebody's preacher. He will hoop in a minute. Woo! Woo! In a minute. Woo! Take you there. Put me in E flat. Yes, sir. The Reverend, the right Reverend, Dr. Pastor, President Harrison. Give it up for our guest today. Come on, give it up. My bad. Go ahead, Mike. (laughs) Give it up for our guest. (laughs) Give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up. (laughs) Good to see you, brothers.
3: Good to be here.
0: Bless y'all, bless y'all, man. Thank
1: y'all both so much, man. We are appreciative of it.
3: Thank you for having us. We appreciate you.
0: Yes, absolutely. So we have uh, started a subject matter that got a lot of interest, and it was about pastoral transitions. The name of the show tonight, is that was then, this is now, continued. uh... That was then, this is now, continued. So we're doing a part two, and we wanted to bring in two pastor brothers, and and I I would say Dave is a little closer to our age. Uh, Pastor Harrison has been in this fight for a little while, but he is by no means an old man. He's got the energy of a young man. I've seen him changing chandeliers in his church, wiring his church up, up on the on, roof. On the I've roof. I've been with him. Heck, you're he right. <laughs> That's right. You know, there's some there's preachers that still know how to be deacons. They they something to mess with. They, they something <laughs> to mess with. But they have been through their own transitions, and I think we want to flesh out the story by talking about our pastoral transition stories. You know what it felt like how it happened, because you know what? A lot of people see the changes. A lot of people see, oh, you know, Reverend so-and-so has moved on, or he's our new pastor. If people are on the outside of the church, they have no idea. Of course, there's always gossip and rumors and all of this. I think we need to kind of humanize the experience. Uh, Don't forget that there are humans at the center of all of these church things that we make, you know, barbershop water. We make, you know, salon talk. We're and y'all know, let's just put it out there. Don't nobody gossip more than preachers
2: mm-hmm. Come
0: on. y'all ladies at the salon with the uh with the hair dryers on and the curlers. y'all ain't got nothing on a group of preachers. matter <laughs> of fact, we're gonna talk about y'all when we get off this show <laughs> so so I want to start with Pastor Harrison and then we'll have Pastor Jeff ask Pastor Holbrook a few uh questions as well, but Pastor Harrison, talk to us about your first pastorate, how old you were, where it was, how long you were there, and then just, you know, real quick and dirty, the quick and dirty, and then, you know, when you felt or how the transition came or when the transition started to happen, you know, how you felt about it.
3: Well, um, I was the assistant pastor at the United Baptist Church for five and a half years uh, in the 80s. Matter of fact, I believe I got there around about 1985. And then five years after that, I went to a small area called Midland, Pennsylvania uh, to the Mount Olive Baptist Church there. And uh, it was uh, one of the most cultural shocking experience that I had ever had, because basically uh, at that particular time I had came out of a mega church. um, And that church has a history of following the pastor's lead and direction. without any question and then I go to a smaller uh environment where uh some of them had learned to sing I shall not be moved uh in, 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 in the church meeting
0: in the church meeting yeah
3: yeah yeah I, I can I can tell this story um I used to I used to hate deacons meetings cuz on Sunday morning the chairman would fire up this song I shall not be moved and I just drop my head cuz I know there's a fight coming
0: wow and
3: um I, I I learned what the Lord taught me uh, through that experience is how to preach to the people and not at the people. Hmm. And sometimes when you're wounded and see people want to talk about church hurt, uh, there's also pulpit hurt. Listen, and um, many people don't don't talk about that or say anything about it. But many times congregations can assassinate pastors and, and you get to the point that you're no longer preaching, you're fussing. Yeah. And and while you're aiming at your enemies, you're hitting your friends. Wow. And wow. Uh, uh, that was something that I had to learn. So I was there for like five and a half years um, uh, there. And, and it taught me how to persevere when I didn't want to. Uh, it taught me how to build relationships when I didn't want to. Uh, it taught me how to be faithful when I didn't want to. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody has ever been in that situation where sometimes I used to cry. Uh, driving down Route 11, uh, because I was like, Lord, you know, and it wasn't that it was everyone. It was just a handful of people. Uh And and those people made more noise than the quiet people. And um, but I learned uh, I learned uh, how to deal with that. And I believe that that's what enabled me to come to Youngstown. Uh, God used that environment to prepare me uh, for what he's permitted and allowed me to do in Youngstown over the past uh 26 years,
0: wow! Now, put an age on your first pastorate when you got there in '90. Well, how old were you?
3: I was 30, Lord have mercy. I'm 64 now, I've been at Union 26 years. Mm-hmm. Anybody can do the math. <laughs> uh, and then I was there for you were five 33
0: when you started. How old? You would have been 33 at the well five at, years before you were38
3: I, I was about 27 wow when I went there and okay. um, I had left my job uh, i worked for Goodyear uh because my dad was a vi bi- bivocational pastor and uh I told the lord that either I was going to be full- time or no time
2: yeah.
3: and that came to pass um and so, yeah, I was young, I was full of fire. And because I had been exposed to a church that just moved, you you got to remember at that time at United, the congregation was over 2000, there were like 800 people in Bible study. Mm-hmm. So um, I was accustomed to that. I, Even though my dad was a pastor, but it was a much smaller church, I was too young cause I really didn't care about church back then. Um, mm-hmm. I just showed up because I lived in my mama and daddy's house. And uh, that some don't know nothing about that. But that's the only reason why I went, because I needed to live there.
0: Right. <laughs> okay. And you need some way to sleep. I yeah.
3: Know. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I was young, um, did do some things, Did, did uh, created the Baptist Pastors Council down there, did some drug marches, shut down some things, dealt with prostitution and all of that uh, some great things that God permitted me to do in my younger years, but, uh, it still was, was a very, uh, very trying time. Okay. Uh, not just for me, but for my family that's because right. I took them with me Wow! and, um, you know, they were like, we don't want to go. I was like, well, it don't matter because you live in my house. So you get ready to go. was <laughs> uh, the agreement my wife and I had, that's, that's how it went. And, um, you know, it, it was difficult. It was worth it now, but I didn't see it then. Uh, matter of fact, I got very angry with God um, to the point that I found myself in a position where I was like, you know what? I ain't preaching no more. I ain't teaching no more. I ain't doing none of this. And the Lord said, go ahead. <laughs> Next thing you know, Sunday morning, we get ready to go to church. Okay. Right. Um, and that, that, those are the things that, that I learned and experienced and it matured me. Uh, to recognize that everything was not like United. Everything was not like that at all. Um, and matter of fact, uh, many churches like that are rare uh, during the time that I was coming up, because most churches had antagonistic deacon boards and trustee boards. And um, that didn't happen at United, but it God needed to bring me into the real world of the church. Right. Uh, right. So that I could understand how to navigate through it without getting blown up or blowing people up because we're still human. Right. And uh, wanting to reach out and touch uh, <laughs> from time to time became a very prevalent notion. And sometimes, you know, I, um, I can't tell that story. So. Uh, <laughs> That's all
0: right. That's all right. We'll, we'll let Jeff cut in and uh, get get an intro to, to Pastor Holbrook. Pastor Holbrook,
1: how are you, sir? Doing well. How are you? I'm wonderful, man.
0: Do knew-
1: you fully recover from that Browns game? I'm <laughs> Not yet, not yet, but, you know, we're get, we yeah. going to get there. We're going to get there. Um, You know, a lot of people would think that it was easier for you because you went back to your grandfather's shirt. But I know the hurt and the pain that it took to leave a place that literally you, you put your – heart and your sweat into we'll talk about that for a minute having
4: to make that transition. Sure. Good. it's kind of like two transitions, right? So I was here my whole life. You know, I said it today, so at some point, you know, I was practically birthed in a pew in this church. So um, here my whole life. And then in 2013, one of our former ministers um, got sick and he was pastoring a church of the Holy Spirit and so i was just filling in you know trying to bridge that gap until he recovered and he he ended up passing away that following week and so i you know i told them and committed that i would stay as long as it took for them to find someone and you know that april is back in 2013 they had asked me to come on board and and stay and be their pastor and so that decision to leave um, home was was difficult, you know, and you talk about culture shock. Yeah. I I fully understand that, you know, 15 years as a youth pastor here, you know, my, um, my whole focus was getting our teens engaged, getting our youth engaged and building that children's ministry side and saying, so going and transitioning to a church that was largely elder and senior based, that was a whole different world for me not only from a cultural standpoint, you know, music wise. I mean, you can see back there is where I'm used to being. Um, Besides, you know, working in youth ministry, it's having an instrument in my hand of some sort. And so to go and transition from, you know, the praise and worship that I grew up on and kind of transition into to going back to a very traditional, you know, very old school kind of mentality was hard. And I was willing to take that you know, because I I understood that it was going to require of me a depth of study that I had not had to um, adapt to in youth ministry. You know, there was not that you dumb it down for them, but the time that it takes to prepare and to really get into the meat of the word that so that you can uh, deliver that was, was so important. But then from a family standpoint, my kids were were younger then, yes. and, and they were like, whoa, time out, Pops. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing to us? And I said, listen, here's the deal. You know, in that church, we started early, and by the time we got out, uh, church was just re- really just getting going here at Warner Revival Center. I said, listen, you're coming with me <laughs> whether you like it or not. But And if you want to go and attend Sunday school and be in service at Warner Revival Center, help, help yourself. I, I stayed here as youth pastor the whole time so awesome. that was a different that was a challenge too Um, you know senior pastor in one church youth pastor in another church and then you know along comes 2019 <laughs> and um my grandpa's health is is still not great um and they said hey you know would you like to come back and to be honest i think everyone assumed that when the time came for him to kind of transition out that my dad would be the one to come back in. And I thought, that's like, no, you know, my calling is at Wayland. You know, that's where I'm at. And until God says otherwise, I don't care who asks me, you know, yeah. this is where I have to be. And so when they asked me, I had to take a very similar approach. And I was, I was very humbled, you know, to be asked to come back. But at the same time, I knew that it, it couldn't just be what I wanted. It can't be about what I want because we're, it, that, that is a detriment to both congregations if I choose to follow me, because I leave God's will, I leave God, you know, where God would have me just to fulfill and satisfy flesh, if you will. <laughs> and so I agree to come back, you know, and 2020 hit a totally different kind of uh, atmosphere, totally different style. And, um, you know, thankfully, you know, the, the youth side of me you know i'm up on technology i was able to get us up and rolling online and that kind of stuff but honestly uh coming back was difficult it was a di- it was a very difficult transition back and being gone for you know eight years i think i was 35 when I, I left and went to church of the holy spirit and so we lost we lost a lot of the continuity of fellowship and friendship that we had with so many people here on that come on sunday mornings and only on sunday mornings so we missed a lot of that and, and a lot of the people that knew me, they knew me when I was young and they knew me when I was a kid. They knew me when I was sitting back at the soundboard and they were saying it's too loud. And I said, too bad.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: so- now, now, listen, y'all, let me, let me, let me help y'all out real quick. Um, For those of you who might not know Pastor Hallbrook, uh, you know, he is not the average preacher. <laughs> I brought him over to do seven last words to Beulah and he went straight Michael Pitts on us. <laughs> oh Lord. He went wrecked the whole house. Didn't nobody want to get up after after him. Can y'all bring, can you bring him back? So that's a great man. That's a great yeah. man. Bless you, man. Thank you so much.
0: I, I want to turn gears because, you know, Pastor David, uh, Pastor Holbrook, you said something about, you know, it's not about what I want. Uh, but I guess I want to talk about this. I want to I wanna unpack this. This is religiously incorrect. So here we go. What about when it is what you want? Where do we draw the line between what we feel is an anointed assignment and the human proclivity for ambition, which in of itself is not inherently evil, but you might understand your personal skills, your, 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 your gift set, your skill set. You may feel constricted. And I want to start with Pastor Harrison, because did you feel more that you were being, that you were ready to move on because you felt there might be, more for you to do beyond mount olive or was or, or, or was it like how do i say just a push out like i'm just I, I at the time because we don't like to talk like that but people do reach certain limits places sometimes it could be that one meeting that breaks your back and next thing you know you're looking online or you know in your case calling around maybe at the time and asking okay maybe i need to start looking is it okay and I know you're in the Baptist tradition, so you know how it goes. There's always a pulpit open somewhere. There's mm-hmm. always uh, somebody, you know, uh, you're aware because we gossip about what's going on. Where does that ambition? And I want to start with this uh, and we'll try to shorten up our answers a little bit. Who came for who, Pastor Harrison? Did you find yourself seeking or did they come seeking you? And I'm they, actually,
3: you. they actually came seeking me. Now, I was ready to go. OK. Um, I was ready to go. Um no fault to the good people but but i was ready to go and the lord wouldn't release me i'll tell you this quick story pastor lonnie simon uh, who at that time was alive and the pastor of the new bethel baptist church came walking down the street and he knew me and he said harrison this is where you're at i said yes sir this is where i am he said there's a church in youngstown that needs you Mm. i said okay and um I went back because the phone rang in the church. I went to pick it up. Pastor Simon was gone. It was like a Philip moment. And um, I was like, wow, this church may really be interested in me. And it was a year and a half later before I preached my first sermon. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, no, um, the church basically sought me. I didn't know what to do. Um, number one, I was dealing with the issues of inferiority uh, because um, maybe many, many of my skills or abilities I didn't think were good enough to go someplace else. Uh, I didn't think the Lord was punishing me by by sending me to Midland. I just felt like um, I don't know what to do, and it was difficult to reach out to people because I'm in a smaller environment, uh, and and you have to understand the dynamics of that among preachers uh, when you downsize, they figured God has turned his back on you. Mm. And, and many of them felt that way. And they're like, man, you just stuck there. I can't help you. And uh, so I had resolved myself that this is where I was going to be as much as I really didn't want to be uh, after so many years had gone by. Because at first it was fine. Uh, but then when you become more progressive, uh, that's when the choir started singing. And um, so, no, no, the the church that I'm at now uh, actually sought me uh, through uh, Pastor Lonnie Simon becoming very instrumental in introducing me to the church.
0: Well, I I got I got his son that helped me at Second Baptist. (laughs) Uh, So we're in the same frame of place where uh, Pastor Kenny Simon pops. I call him, you know, he facilitated my transition to, uh, he, 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 you know, to second Baptist. Now for me, I had succeeded my father as I talked about last week. And there was no, there was no other church in my world. Mm. No, no other church exists. These pastors, as I said last week, Pastors that moved around were ambition seekers, pastors that accepted other assignments were there had to be a scandal behind it. There has to be a reason they're not thriving. And then when you're a PK taking over your father's church, your only path is to try to seek as much ministry effectiveness. And of course, if you have an ambition to grow, growth and whatever bigness you want to have, you better make it happen there. It took Dr. Hearns having a conversation with me. To even get me to even think about a world, and he wasn't trying to push or pull me, even though he did have a desire because he saw potential in me mm-hmm. and I wasn't even thinking, and he had to literally say, Do you see yourself here for the rest of your life? And I said, Of course, I just took over from my dad, I'm about to take over from my dad. Why wouldn't I but what else what else is there? you know uh and that it took that. I, I was in the same place where, and I don't, I don't want to say inferiority, it might have been the opposite, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I have been raised to feel that what we were doing in the non-denominational world was in some way superior to the denominational world, where people are appointed or they submit resumes. And in our world, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And that's the only way anything happens. And we're not, we don't have to worry about search committees and, you know, pastoral councils and none of that stuff. And I feel like there is a unspoken, uh, almost an unspoken disrespect towards the process because we always assume that there's some sort of naked ambition at work. You're chasing the money. You're not satisfied where you're at. You want bigger, better. You want to be on a bigger stage. And that, I think, it never said out loud, but I think it sullies the view of a pastor even when he's doing what God has called him to do.
2: Amen. Amen. Uh,
0: Dave, how did you, did you feel like you talked about your, you thought your dad was going to, uh, you thought your dad was going to be the one to take it. Uh, Did you ever want to see yourself outside? Like, I mean, you're a church of the Holy Spirit. Obviously there's a certain ceiling there. Did you see yourself kind of, okay, maybe there's a season here for me and I might end up doing something else or somewhere else?
4: Not really. You know, when I was when I was there, ceiling, yeah. But you know, I had a one of my elders there, uh, brother Dalka. I mean, he and I would just walk the property together and he would just begin to, you know, really birth vision to see that expand and to see that grow and to blow through the ceiling that I saw in that ministry. And so really by the time that I was asked to come back here, I was, I was really, I was struggling in some regards because I I, I wasn't really seeing some of those things that I, I desperately wanted to see come to fruition. Um, I had some young people come and go, you know, it, typical transition kind of stuff, right? They pop in for a few weeks, they stay with you about some stay for a little while and then they're gone again.
2: Right. And
4: it, that's, that becomes challenging, right? Because when you're trying to build a work from, you know, almost nothing, no children's ministries, no, no nothing. Um, it becomes my prayer, you know, was God send me workers. Because if I don't have workers, I'm in trouble. <laughs>
2: right,
4: right. <laughs> I can't do anything without the people that are dedicated into the ministry. So no, I, I don't think I ever really saw myself outside of there. And, and honestly, I hadn't been there probably long enough to even start thinking about it.
2: Yeah.
1: Pastor Harrison, I'm going, you know, we talked when, you know, I went through what I went through and we had heart to hearts and, uh, but you, you told me something very, very powerful. You said you have been at union 26 years and you said you, you've pastored two or three churches, even at the same church. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you speak to that? And, 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 you know, you know, I think most of us have, have, pastor, you know, pastor past, past two churches, pastor eight, pastor two churches, but we haven't been there a long period of time. How is it, how is transitioning in the same church? How does that work?
3: Hmm. Uh, one, seeking the Lord uh, mightily. <laughs> um, you also have to find out the history of that church. Uh, you have to find out who the ruling families of the church are. Um, one of the biggest mistakes that we make is coming in thinking that we're going to pastor them, uh, not realizing, and I tell people this all the time, Union has, has three churches. Uh, it has the J.D. Jones Church, the John H. Maiden Church, and the Michael H. Harrison Church. Hmm. Uh, right now, I am the seated pastor, but I still have to pastor those three congregations.
2: Wow! And,
3: and many, many, many younger pastors don't understand that, that your predecessors imprint is in the lives of those people, and you can't erase or eradicate that if you plan on moving them forward. Um, Union became what it was because uh, he allowed me to grow the church. And matter of fact, he grew the church. Uh The truth of the matter is, when I came to Union, there was like about 86 people, and it grew uh exponentially to, to shoot, over five to six hundred. Uh, in a few years and that enabled me to transition the church a little bit better than maybe those whose churches grew slower uh, because those people were Harrisonites and um, you, you and see I, that's just being totally honest and a lot of Let's people be honest
0: be honest
3: people don't talk about that but and, and then when they started joining then I had to deal with the issue, of the old church fighting the new church because now these new people have come to take over. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting up there, and to a certain
0: extent, that was true. Um <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I, mean, I want you know, right to park right there, right Pastor, because yeah, I want to park right there because that is it's everybody at some point or another has been the new school.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: The the people that are a little afraid of the changes we're making right now were once a part of the changes somebody didn't like 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. They were the ones bringing a new idea. Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? But then they got settled in Mm -hmm. their golden age, Mm -hmm. in their golden era. (laughs) And now, like you said, the us versus them. We said it before. A pastor often brings people with him like a church, like a coach brings his own staff with him to a college or an NFL team. You can expect it ain't just the pastor. Right. No. Unless you move into a whole nother town or city completely away from where anybody else ever would even know your name. And even then, newer people are going to be attracted to you because of mm-hmm. what you bring into that ministry. And within a year or so, there will be some new team members, some new staff
3: and it's an amazing thing. I'll tell this quick story. Um, when we got ready to build, which had been unheard of, uh, in my first year of pastoring, um, because the old building was condemned and blah, blah. I can tell y'all stories about how God miraculously has intervened and moved in union. And pastor Jeff knows more about it, uh, than anybody else about what God did. Um, I transitioned them from a fundraising to a tithing church Mm -hmm. and uh, that right there sometimes was like pulling teeth without Novocaine. And uh, I had one of the old saints come up to me, son, uh, mother needs to talk to you. Um, This is how we have done things and this is how you'll see, you'll see. And I said, well, mother, uh, if what I'm doing is not true, then God is a liar. And so the next thing you know, uh, and I praise God for her because she was a nemesis, but she became one of my greatest supporters because she could move people I couldn't move. Mm. Wow! And when we built the church and they had made pledges that 70% of them lied about, To this day, I have a stack of
2: cards
3: (laughs) in my office right now of all of the people who pledged money and the people who paid it was like about this big in comparison to this stack.
0: Lying pledges, boy.
3: (laughs) Man, we were able to pay that church off in eight years, uh, seven years in advance. And she came up to me not long before she passed. And she said, son, mother was wrong. Keep doing what you need to do Tony Evans told me 20 some years ago he said son He said just keep moving He said no one wants to miss out On a move of God And he said the next thing you know you'll hear Behind you pastor, pastor Here I come and he knew What he was talking about And so we just moved forward We became and then we had To teach These three churches how to Get along
0: Wow Wow.
3: And that process is still going on. Right. (laughs) Okay, And for those that think that they have arrived and everything is going to fall in place. I have three churches that I pastor and they show up every Sunday. They love each other. Uh, Pastor Jeff can tell you uh, I can't get them out the building um, because of the fellowship that they have. And that that was intentional. It wasn't, uh, you know, Lord, please let them come. No, no. There was intentional activities and interventions that had to take place so that people could see that they had more in common than what they had against each other.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, COVID cleared the church out, so COVID took care of that.
3: <laughs> Pastor Todd, just just uh,
1: real quick on that note. Uh, not too long ago, you and I were talking, you were talking about getting that big giving tree and putting it out in the foyer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you might want to
0: I might want to rethink
1: that. (laughs) You might want to rethink those leaves, Doc.
0: (laughs) I might want to rethink (laughs) them
1: leaves. (laughs) Pastor Harper, you know, a lot of, um, you know, I don't know what your transition was like, but did you have people who wanted to come with you over to where you are now? And were you able to either tell them it's okay to come or, you know, tell them, you know what, they need you here at, at, uh, at where you are, uh, how did you how did you handle that? Because I know, you know, I came to you, church. I think one day, one day, I just surprised you and just came in, right. and, and I could see how the love that they had for you. So I know a lot of times that love wants to follow.
4: Yeah. So I had, there were a few. Uh, it was a young couple and, and another um, lady that I had met through uh, the way operation with Pastor Matlock. So we had um, they had come. And then they stayed a while and uh, they wanted to come here with me. Um, and even since then, you know they had come since I had been there, so it wasn't as difficult of a conversation with anybody. Um, the long time people stayed, you know and they're there, they just installed a new pastor, and so you know they're there doing their doing their thing every week. and then the younger couples and, and the folks that wanted to transition with me um, they understood. You know they th- we had a connection they were all you know actually they're my kids age so <laughs> but but i had a we had a great relationship them, and i still do uh the one young man he's doing a pastoral uh a ministry internship right now and so he's not he's he, he's moved on and then um the other guy she she found it back at pastor matlock's being home there so none of them stayed here because it was just it was different and so yeah. It, it, all those conversations can be can be difficult.
0: Yeah. Mm. It's a worrisome thing to feel that you might. And I know I felt this when I left Agape, that a scattering could potentially take place and you want everyone to feel secure in a home, even if it's whether it's staying, whether right. it's coming along. And and by the way, everyone who comes along does not come along into a healthy situation for them. They think they're coming to support you because they they love and support you. But it turns out that maybe the style, the flavor, the feel, the fellowship of the former church outside of the pastor was still more their speed, more ministering to their needs. And I had a little bit of that. I mean, we had people that thought I was going to go to second, turn it into another agape. And Mm -hmm. second was going to be second. They thought I was going to wipe the hymn out you know, and we did make transitions and changes over right. time, but we are still good in Baptist. We are still good in Baptist. We got some fire. We got some modern worship, but uh, we still got the deacons wearing the black suits and red ties. We still going to raise that hymn. We're still going to have our business meetings. We still follow a order of service. It's not as free willing as maybe from where I came. And I honor that, as Pastor Harrison said, you you honor that because that is the flow in which that church has found its place in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right. Identity. Uh, Jeff knows this. Agape was like that community, uh, whosoever will kind of church. And it's not that every church isn't that church, but second, serves an institutional purpose in our community. Right. We're the ones that's going to lead to March. We're probably going to set the standard for how the institutional side of things interacts with government, you know, all of those things. And you, you have to honor that. I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, you are both people of potential. You were in your youth, uh, Pastor Harrison, you were that person of potential people knew. The most awkward thing in the world I have dealt with and still deal with is the we can't keep you syndrome or we know or feel you're going to leave syndrome. How do you respond to that when there's this, it can be positive, it can be fearful, it can be I see great things for you, but when it comes, and sometimes members just say it to your face. Hope you stay a long time, Doc. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I hope you it, It's so awkward. H- how do you deal with that? Have you ever dealt with that? How do you answer to that? <laughs>
3: I have pastor friends of mine who think that there's something wrong with me mentally, hmm. uh, because I'm no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> because there are other churches much larger. Um, in prominent cities who were looking at me, and I told them, no, you have to deal with the will of God. And I say this all the time, uh, because God loves his people, does he provide a lesser preacher pastor to smaller communities than what he does mega communities? Wow. And so, uh, you know, I, I involve myself with a lot of things outside of Youngstown. But Youngstown is my heart. Uh, Union right. is my heart. And uh, I really have not had a time when I wanted to leave, even in the first year or so, which was extremely difficult. Uh, but there was never this desire to go anywhere. And when people would call me up and say, well, you know, there's a church over such and such that 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 is looking and there's I'm like, no, tell them to look someplace else because I have to deal with the will of God, and I'm afraid that if I step outside of the will of God, then I lose everything that God has invested in me, and and that's, you don't see that until a little later in life, the investment that God has made throughout your years of development to effectively minister where you are.
0: Wow, wow. That's good. Now, you're a state president. I want to stick with you for just a second. You're a state president. So uh, and I'm sure you've, you've served as moderator. You've done some of those things over your tenure. What have you seen in pastoral transitions? Maybe those you were people reached out for advice or you maybe helped the church by request. Of course, in the Baptist Church, they got to request your participation, mm-hmm. uh, some do's and don'ts, some good, some bad, some ugly what have you seen, because last week we talked about the practical process, even when God is bringing about a transition, there's still a call, there's still candidacies, there's still resumes, it's, even if there's a preordained, predestined re- end result,
2: mm-hmm. we still
0: all go through a process. You know, What have you seen in that world, good, bad, and ugly, I would say, the positive things, the right way to go about things, and perhaps some not so great things?
3: I have walked into Hornet's Nest and didn't know it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, You'll walk in there and people are looking at you like, who invited you? Um, And you have to let them know this. And you also have to deal with the fact that some folk don't really care what you say. Mm -hmm. Um, They could care less who you are, moderator, state president, or nothing else. This is our church and we're going to do what we want to do the way we want to do it. And so what you have to learn to do, uh, is to hear them, even when you don't want to. And believe me, there are some phony moments um, where I'm sitting up there like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I got that. And I could really care less. Now, I know that might not be good. Pastor Thomas said confession is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. but But what you have to learn to do is to hear them hear what they have to say, and then get them to discover the process, to get them to discover that if you really care about your church, which you claim to be a part of since Big Mama laid the first foundational brick, um, then you also need to be able to listen to a process that will help expedite the moment because let's be honest, when that pastor leaves, there's a new pastor that rises up who has not been ordained or called to preach.
0: Yes, sir. And
3: so you've got to deal with that. You've got, it Not might not be one, it may be two or three that have rose up that are the influential people. I had one situation where the guy got so mad at me. I preached that Sunday after the meeting, he wouldn't shake my hand. He wouldn't talk to me. Matter of fact, he was glad when my, you know, what left. Wow. Okay, but (laughs) I still have to, because of my position as state president and as moderator. because I'm I'm the moderator of Eastern District, too, um, to go in there so that I can bring a process. And that's the thing that people don't understand, because that pastor had a process. It went straight out the window Hmm. as soon as he retired. They're like, oh, no, we ain't doing that. That's what he wanted us to do. And they didn't understand that in the Baptist church, there are protocols uh, that you have to follow. There are certain announcements you have to follow. There are certain things you need to do for information. You can't hide stuff from people. You can't have secret meetings and all this other kind of stuff that they, there is that proclivity of doing. The power brokers, after the meeting is over, with, they get together and have another meeting. Right. It doesn't right. matter what the church has said. It's like, no, this ain't what we're doing. Oh and we do. so <laughs> your good people will quit coming to the meetings. Right. Right. Because they don't like chaos. They don't like confusion. And they that's lot of the author of it. And so they stay home. And so all the hellish people
0: come to the meetings. Yep. Yep. i sorry bro wow. no, no you' there in, in in the political world they used to call it the silent majority i think nixon started with that there was a silent majority churches have a sanctified silent majority they're a group of people who don't like mess but will avoid addressing it because they don't like mess and unfortunately they're the good ones who would have done what was right when it was time to do it especially when a church is without a pastor or they're seeking a pastor or they see a good uh individual who they have the feeling is of God, and God has sent them. But there's this other side, mm-hmm. three or four mm-hmm. people who they're and, and it's it's almost the downside of trying to be holy and righteous, and how you mm-hmm. behave, and how you is that you're the meek and mild one, so you get you get crucified, you get pushed out of the process, and unfortunately, that is a commonality regardless of denomination doesn't matter if there's a bishop or an elder who helps the process doesn't matter the congregational process uh doesn't matter if the answer god has given is right in front of your face those few people Mm -hmm. can effectively silence the good majority the sanctified silent majority and and i think that that is uh an issue we see and honestly it actually gives more space for the wrong answer mm-hmm. to come into the church mm-hmm. because the right answer has been has been beat down so much. And and we didn't talk about it. We said we were going to talk about it a little bit more, but we have seen bad situations of churches, let's just say very clearly churches can and do make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes.
2: yes. Well, well
3: you yeah. you know Pastor Todd not- that that and then there's another dynamic to it. There's a difference in followership of a church that has a high turnover of pastors juxtaposed to that church who has had maybe three pastors or four pastors in their full history. Yeah. And so what happens is where there are high turnovers, that pastor never becomes pastor because somewhere along the line, they're going to get rid of him. Yeah, right. And, and so it's it's overwhelmingly difficult. And, you know, you you have to calm the storm before you can even have the conversation
2: right. because
3: you got the I shall not be moved. You got the you need to leave. We don't want to be bothered with you. We got the other group that's going, oh, please help us out. Could you please? And then then there's the internal fight between the deacons and the trustees and the congregation. And the congregation will be like, you know what? Y'all can have this. Mm. And then that's when I get the phone call.
0: Right. (laughs) When it's all apart.
3: Okay. (laughs) I don't get the phone call in the beginning because in the Baptist church, they can go from one year to five years before they call another pastor. Right. And because we're autonomous, so they're self-governing so they can do whatever they want to do. Well, if you go into a five-year transition, then please. You, right. What do you, what do you do? Because there's at least there's a pastor of the choir, there's a pastor of the deacons, there's a pastor of the trustees, <laughs> right? A pastor of the ushers. Everybody <laughs> gonna become pastor. Right. <laughs> Let me hush. See so y'all. y'all <laughs> brought, take it, take
2: it, take it. <laughs> but Finish he's, he's right. Holden.
4: Go ahead, Holbrook. But well, he's right. You know, in my case, you know, I'm pastor number two. It's all that's ever been. My grandpa was here for. Sixty-three years, founded it, built it from the ground. I'm pastor number two, right? right? So now there's there's a legacy there because a lot of the the style of preaching, you know, the things that some of the things that I say, you know, those are passed down, generation to generation. There's a lot of my my dad in me. There's a lot of my grandpa in me, but I'm still my own person, right? So and, and from a preaching standpoint, when I trans transitioned back here, they know what they were getting. They're, they heard me preach a ton of times, right. but we fell into a category where um, the political scene happened. And see, they don't know that part of me, uh, and so wow. that's. And also, you know, they don't just get me, right? First lady comes too.
2: That's <laughs> it. That my, wife it. Is, my wife
4: is my wife's outspoken, and, and we both are when it comes to social justice. When it comes to um, mm-hmm. things that we we feel are very important. Um, we don't always see eye to eye with with the people in the congregation. And so there was a lot of very serious sit down conversations so that they understood where I stand. Mm-hmm. I said, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. I'm an independent for a reason. I'm a pastor of an independent church. Go figure. Right, <laughs> right. I, but I, I know what's right and wrong. OK. Mm-hmm. And when I see something wrong, I will call it out. And and so that that part of the transition was much more difficult than I would have ever imagined. I got you. Wow. I got you. That's amazing. I Pastor
1: got Harrison, real quick, you know, you have <laughs> at one time, at one time you had uh, myself, Pastor Bowie, Pastor Early, uh, and, and just a bunch of ministers, just a bunch of ministers. Many of us have went on to Pastor uh, in our own rights, um, what is that like sending, sending, transitioning from and, and having others transition
3: from your church? I get an attitude.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like <a> good people.
3: <laughs> <laughs> i, I, I now, you, you asked me to be for real, be honest. <laughs> I get mad, and, and and I had to get over it because. I had assignments for you guys. Okay. <laughs> Y'all was getting ready to do the youth minutes. Y'all getting ready to do this, that, and the other. And the Lord said, I'm taking them. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I lost you, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Early. I lost uh, Walker. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, all, all of these people, and I'm just going to be honest, that learned and followed me. And, and there's, a, there's a biblical point here. Learned and followed me that God said I'm gonna use them someplace else. Wow! And then some of them—that's all I'm gonna say. Um, th- you you just get angry because wow. you've invested in them, you you've built relationships with them, um, you see things where deficiencies are in the church where they can fill in, and God said, "No, there's a greater deficiency someplace else that I need them to fill." And um many of my associates who are pastoring are successful. Um, and I thank God for that, but it's just it's 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 heart-wrenching. Um, I get mad. I get now. I'm happy for you. <laughs> you mad,
0: mad happy. Mad happy. <laughs>
3: okay, and I'm well, being big mad happy. I'm happy for you. I'm like, yeah, but I'm going now. I got another deficit I got to deal with.
0: I'm right, there, right, and, and that's right.
3: basically it.
0: Yeah, wow. David, David talked about the the political tensions, and uh, in our churches, now I, I probably would say all three of us—Pastor uh, <clears throat> Jeff, Pastor Harrison, and myself—our churches give us the expectation that we participate in community and social issues. I think all three of our churches have like a social justice you know, history and heritage at, at some place. And of course, you know, we have to step into those shoes whether we are really there when we get there or not. You know, I was on my way there and definitely, and then second just boost me up to the next level. Now I'm up here talking about I have a dream, you know, every Sunday and uh all this stuff. And now you know I'm 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 getting away from Martin. I'm getting more Malchamy right about now. So yes be careful. <laughs> you know, but uh We've heard about churches splitting. We've had heard about people walking out, especially on our white brothers and sisters who have chosen to stand, like you said, in the middle. Many times they're not taking a purely liberal or even super duper pro-black standpoint, but they are taking a balanced view, biblical view, and a, and, a, and a concern for their brothers and sisters of color that that church might have not really experienced before, maybe because the Times we really demanded it. Uh, and that's another form of transition. Uh, it's I did it with the outreach of my church. It was not the huge thing of my church until I got there. It was a transition. How much money are you gonna send out to the hood? How much you know? How many times are we gonna do something for people who are not ours? You know. So did you see some losses, suffer some disagreements? And you talked about some some come to Jesus meetings we call them. You know, where you gotta sit down. Uh, were there some people who, at least for the moment, just feel irreconcilable? Like we're just not gonna.
4: I think in some, in some ways, yeah. You know, there, there's, uh, those that hear you and there's those that listen to you. Wow! Wow. And, um, the ones that took the time to really hear what I was saying and to break it down, I mean, break it down from the pulpit, break it down in a meeting, um, wherever they were able to hear that message, you know, and I, and I tried to take them back, you know, in our history here, you no, know, I, I couldn't even tell you how many people have told me over the years, you know, my grandfather's history. I was I was at a meeting in Howland. you know, watching kids run around a playground. And Alfie was there and Alfie's like, dude, you have like I remember as a little kid, your grandpa coming to preach at our church. Yeah. And I was yep. like, who is this crazy white guy <laughs> no preaching in our, in our sanctuary? You know, we used to have share when I was a teenager, we had shared services almost monthly. With Pastor Alton at New Jerusalem. And so our history has been one of man, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're gonna have church together and to love one another. And so when you when you talk to people who really I think don't really understand what is happening and what is being said, you know, a lot of times they get tunnel vision, all they see is you know BLM and they associate it with one thing and they can't they can't have that. And so they don't want to have the conversation. And so you have to bring it back to what it's really about. You know, I separate the two. You have to have the conversation because what's happening in our country isn't right. Right. And it needs to stop. And and it's 2021. You know, that's why we I hear that over and over again. It's 2021. This this shouldn't be happening. I know it shouldn't be happening. But it is. right, And it continues to happen. And So if the church can't get it right, how in the world is the world going to get it right? Absolutely. I think, you know, real quick, I think you, you made such
1: a valid point. I know when Pastor Todd and I were together at Agape for those years, I, I know I saw a lot of frustration that you had to go through because a lot of these, uh, a lot of these so-called white churches sent money. They wouldn't mind sending money or you know, but coming to the church and actually participating, or sending money to the youth choir and those things, but not actually sending their kids to sing in the youth choir, made a huge difference. Because it's like, listen, we don't just need your money. We're trying to come together. We 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 got a little bit of money. We got a little bank account. We are not much,
0: not much though.
1: <laughs> so so I think that's that's major that you 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 guys had no problem coming um, yeah. to what we call the hood.
0: Right, right. I applaud that. And, and you know, I remember sending, I think Pastor Harrison was in that text. Jeff was in that text. I remember when things got really heated, the Trayvon Martin and the next year after that, I was losing white support like bananas. We are, uh, you know, the, the donations just plummeted uh, because we were taking the stand. And uh, we still, and by the way, our churches, which we can do a whole other show about, are still struggling to accept people into our refuge, which is the black church. Uh, I believe we are as welcoming as anyone and we even have white members that testify to it, but there is that little lingering feeling in the background. And we went through this at the of basically the exact same thing that a white neighborhood said in the fifties, if you let too many in, they'll take over. Uh-huh. And believe it or not, we say the same thing sometimes in our hearts in black churches. And I think it sometimes it really does have to do with innate identity, innate comforts, cultural protections. You wanna be yourself, stretch yourself out, loosen your collar and not feel like you have to look over your shoulder to connect with another culture because it's hard work. And that is a true transition, being multicultural, which I think people use that word too much, but being even willing to cross those lines is a transition, like you said, Pastor David. And, and and you're right, Reverend Holbrook, Morris Reed, you know, they fellowship with Morris Reed at New right. Freedom. That, that was a known thing for most of your brothers and sisters. It's not. And for most of our brothers and sisters, it's not. Uh, and it's a shame that we're still in that space. But Pastor Harrison, Pastor Holbrook, you have been amazing sharing your stories with us. Uh, people need to know that, as I said last week, there is a human side to this. I mean, many a bedside chat where my wife and I were considering agape to second baptist what it means what it's going to be what about our children my children are even saying i miss going to papa's church i miss that uh culture shock uh expectations pastoring as pastor harrison said uh there are still some people who are warming up to me there could be missed opportunities on my end where i'm like you know what i blew it when uh so-and-so's grandma died and they're just not going to take to me right now because I, w- I didn't do it like the last guy would have done it. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I was busy working that job at the time and wasn't as attentive as somebody else. So this is pulling back the curtain on what I think a lot of people assume they know. Uh, when I left my job, people were like, oh, you're getting I'm like, no, I took a pay cut to leave my job. <laughs> a pay cut to leave my job where I was getting that piece of church salary, and that piece of work salary, and benefits, and all this, and uh, nah, doc, that, that was not a happy tax season for me, <laughs> I- <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. But, but it's good for us to have these conversations. I want everybody watching to give it up for President Reverend Michael Harrison, and our good brother and friend uh, Pastor David Holbrook, we appreciate you. We're going to finish up with what we call rapid fire. Now, this is the most impossible thing for preachers to do, is to actually give 60-second answers <laughs> to these questions. You are not allowed to take a text. Do not give us a sermon title.
1: We don't want to subscribe. <laughs> <on> the
0: t- <laughs> all, right. The, the pericope of passage of Scripture. <laughs>
1: Exegetical.
0: Exegetical. <laughs> Exegetical. But Before we go, before we bring Mike in, uh, we want to Give a shout-out to our sponsors. I'm going to throw it all into one one, uh, one uh, big thing. But our Phillips, I call them the Phillips family of businesses. Uh, Phillips Care Cleaning, cleaning residential and commercial buildings all over the Mahoney Valley, from cleaning your house or business from top to even bottom and carpet, we take care of the mess that causes you stress. I love that. We take care of the mess that causes you stress. Like the f- Facebook page at Phillips Care LLC or website at phillipscarellc.com, or call my man, Fernando, at 330-219-7916. Also in the family of the Phillips businesses, is Phillips Care Training, who recently acquired High Street Fitness in Cortland, 277 South High Street, Cortland. I didn't know we were still allowed in Cortland. My bad. Never mind. But you can visit them. (laughs) You can visit them and get their specials for the new year. Follow High Street Fitness at 330-984-7632 Mike Phillips is your man for that. Now bring in Big Mike. Big Mike, come on in and let's knock this rapid fire out. No, Bernie, we don't want to hear. Bernie
1: want to be a rapid fire, baby. Bernie wants to be a rapid
0: fire. Oh, man. What you got, Big
5: Mike? Hey, well, hey, move Bernie out the way first. All man. right, all right, all right. <laughs> I can't compete with Bernie now. Come no, on.
2: Nobody
5: can. <laughs> uh, Pastor Harrison, Pastor Holbrook, first, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I uh, really enjoyed you guys tonight. Some uh, very insightful information. Um, appreciate you guys. We'll definitely have you back on. I promise. You. you guys are a very good guest. As uh, far as the rapid fire, I'm not going to hold you guys up. Um, but one question I ask all pastors when they come on. So this, this question goes to Pastor Harrison and Pastor Holbrook. How good or how bad was your first sermon? Horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. <laughs> horrible. huh? Tell us <laughs> about
3: it. I had... I didn't have any help, Uh, I basically, and you gotta remember, I come out of a preaching family, but not a trained preaching family. And when you get into the Baptist church, they expect some level of training. And when I preached that first sermon, I still have that handwritten sermon. Oh, wow. Uh, and when I look back over it, I told the Lord, Thank you for not slapping me when I was in that pulpit <laughs> preaching this non theological foolishness. This nonsense. To
0: these people. <laughs> this nonsense.
5: Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> so, so
4: I. I- think it was still a good message. (laughs) Now, now, granted, I I remember being invited to to speak somewhere and to preach. And um, I had the good fortune of having my dad, you know, as a kind of throw things off of him. That message was titled. um, It is not the message. It's the delivery. And um, I have gone back to that several times um, Mm -hmm. as I see things come up uh in the life of the church. So
0: that's um, already a good title. It, that, yeah, that's already better than whatever nonsense Pastor Harrison was preaching. <laughs> <laughs> that title is better than his whole manuscript. Look. Look. You can get a you can get a black church with a good title.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you even though the title, title didn't even
3: match the text
0: don't even have to <laughs> it doesn't have to be grammatically correct it doesn't have to mm-hmm. be correct at all if it's good mm-hmm. you're gonna slam
3: it was an eisegetical <laughs> masterpiece
0: yeah right <laughs> love it
2: what else right.
5: my next question um, this is coming from from a little bit of experience with myself um uh, A few years back, I took a leadership position at my job. And with you guys being leaders and me in this position, I've learned that I can't treat everybody the same. What motivates one person doesn't motivate the other person. So sometimes you have to tweak your delivery. You have to tweak your tone for different people in different situations. Um and sometimes I'm not going to lie, sometimes it's exhausting. Like, dude, grow up. Why why do I have to, you know, in the back of your mind you're saying why do I have to talk to this person this way just because they don't get hurt or just because, you know, I want to motivate them. Um how did you guys deal with that being leaders in the church and having to deal deal with so many different personalities? And this question is for everybody.
0: 60 seconds.
1: can I can I speak for Pastor Todd and Pastor Harrison, because I know how both of them treat everybody. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you see, I didn't say anything. I was, I'm i like, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say it. Let me it. Let
1: me Pastor Todd don't care.
2: <laughs>
1: Pastor Todd is like, Let, grow up, get, get a life. I'm,
2: know, gone. Like, <laughs> I'm gone. You're <laughs> fired.
1: Pastor Harrison is more caring and it's more, uh, more. Uh, I ain't gonna say coddling, but he will. He will. He will. He will make sure you are. Like Pastor Todd. Now, oh, yeah.
0: I'm trying to pretend. To you care.
1: either get it or you don't get it with Pastor Todd. Listen, listen. My
0: my life scripture is let the dead bury the dead. <laughs>
1: That's my life scripture. You can tell Pastor Todd, Mm -hmm. you preacher all day, you is not going to get on that pulpit. You ain't going to get to preach it. You ain't going to get to pray. You ain't (laughs) going (laughs)
3: to. Well, we have similarities now. We We have
0: have similarities. similarities.
2: Uh, Well, I I do
0: try. People do get motivated by different things. I try to appeal to what I know they care about when I'm. And everybody does have different motivations. I mean, some people are at second, some people are very spiritually motivated. Some people are motivated by like personal pride that they have in their church. Don't you want our church to be successful? You know, whatever, you know, uh, so I I try to give it some effort, Pastor Jeff. I'm not that cruel, (laughs) but you did answer for me. So I I yield my time to the floor as we all heard how to say last week. (laughs) I've
3: learned, I've learned how to deal with the different personalities. You learn to cut differently. Uh, when you get older in in working with people in the beginnings, if you would have seen me uh, 30 some odd years ago, I'd have probably acted just like Pastor
0: Tom. <laughs> I learned how to cut all right. Yeah. <laughs> I learned
3: how to cut. OK. Um, but you learn because sometimes there's a difference between someone being hateful uh, and someone who just doesn't know any better or they're in something that is either over their head or what they've really not been called to do. Yeah. Uh, and you have to learn to transition these people, which is difficult uh, because in the Baptist church, um, what was the saying? God doesn't want your ability. He wants your availability. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that. I don't mm-hmm. believe God has gifted you to do something for you not to do it. Just because you're available, I tell people all the time if your feet are bad, you don't need to be an usher. Um, because you need to use your feet. If you don't really like people, you need to clean toilets or something instead of being in hospitality. And transitioning people is sometimes you have to get people to see that there's more to ministry than a few things that church does. I created like 20 some extra ministries in the church just to be able to find the places for these people to function properly in right. rather than creating chaos um, in the traditional positions.
2: Right,
4: right, right. That's the whole goal. Yeah, I, you know, I totally agree. I I have a hard time adapting, um, especially I'm a very, I would say, quick-witted person, so my responses have to be measured. <laughs> depending Depending on how the conversation comes to me, right? Right. But you know, here I, I'm. I'm so thankful for our secretary. She she has a pretty good feel for um, how people are, what they expect. You know, the things that uh, you know my grandpa did. You know, and so I'm very appreciative of that because it would have never happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not. That's not who I am typically. So um, you know, that's a growth area for me, and I'm more observant. In, in trying to, to understand people a little better, you know, in terms of positions and where they belong, I'm very attuned to that. And so I, I want to be honest with people because the goal isn't to put them down. The goal is to right. put them where they belong, right? right. So right. It, it's, it's so important that we do that. And I, you know, Master Harrison said it so well, I mean, it's, you have to have the right people in the right function, you know, mm-hmm. otherwise it's a body that not fitly put together. Right. He it.
0: Right. He's preaching. Get the organ. Yeah. <laughs> That's a V3 three moment. That's a b three moment. C- <laughs> C-
4: Put, him let me G- Put him in C. Put him in C. Let me grab. Let me grab a capo.
1: You know, for me. For <laughs> uh, oh, he's ready. He's,
2: he's ready. ready. <laughs>
1: Honestly, for me, you know, I talked about Pastor Todd and Pastor Harrison, but I am the I am the cupcake of the crew I'm just the sweetest nicest guy and I you know for the longest time in my life I, I tried to you know use that scripture I have to become all things to all people and all all men and you know I learned it I was taking that way out of context <laughs> and you know <laughs> trying to be that nice to everyone and please everyone it just ain't gonna happen
0: Right. Just, We're gonna break I, that spirit, man. We're gonna break that spirit, bro. You're gonna be fighting pretty soon.
1: Don't no <laughs> worry. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, if I have to, I will, but uh, you know, I, I I had to learn, you know, you cannot please everyone, and you cannot be at everything, you cannot make every meeting, you cannot make it to every hospital visit, you cannot make it to every bonfire, and and you can't give money to everybody that's graduating. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> you can't do it all. And still, you know, you still have a family and you still have your own self to support. So,
5: right, good answer, right. good answers, good answers, good answers, just like I figured they would be.
2: Yeah,
5: um, I have one more, real quick, real quick. I have one more. I've been hearing this question a lot lately, past couple of weeks, um, sort of on the political side, I guess. But I just wanted to drop it real quick and get your input Is freedom of speech really free?
0: Everything you no. say costs something. Sure does. No, everything you say costs something.
5: Because they talk about you know the you know the amendment you know freedom of speech for of this freedom and that. Yeah. But yeah, I was I was kind of thinking the same thing. There's there, there's always some pushback. There, there's always a price you have to pay for things that you say, especially when people don't agree with you.
0: And and we have sold off our voices, all of us, including you know our former president who made a. By, by putting our voices on someone else's platform so that they can determine. And and I do agree to a degree that that dynamic could shift drastically. And while a whole bunch of folk are applauding that he's off, and maybe for good measure temporarily, don't forget that dynamic can shift. Right. That dynamic can shift in a direction you don't want it to go. And what if there's freezing the voices of those calling for justice? What if they freeze the voices of Christians? What if they freeze the, the, the voices? So. We've all given ourselves over to social media being our biggest platform and social media is not run by the U.S. government, it's run by private companies. And that's why we need to have a conversation, even if it is free speech, outside of these places, because those places can manipulate our conversations. Whereas where we're talking like we are right now, we won't if we just sit down and talk. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. I would just say that, you know, real quick, I would just say that, you know, we hear it all the time. Anything you say can and will be held against you, especially as leaders, especially as pastors. Right. You know, and I've learned I've learned, you know, over the years that if you can't improve on the silence, just shut up.
5: Hmm. That's a good one. OK. Yeah. That. OK, that's all I have, fellas. That's all I have.
0: Any last words, Pastor
3: Harrison, Pastor Holbrook? Thank you for allowing me to be myself
2: again. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. to the altar. <laughs> that's,
3: all, that's all I got to say. I didn't I take medication. So. I love
4: it. Pastor Hallbrook, any
1: last words?
4: I just want to thank you guys for having me on and uh, I cannot wait until we can see each other in person again. Absolutely. I love you, brothers. The wings will flow.
1: Amen. Well, Pastor Harbrook be out there cooking on his backyard, making deer and...
0: Oh, yeah. This, yeah. ...and stuff. I- Bears. <laughs> 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 Barbecue
4: groundhog. <laughs> Anybody know skunk? <laughs> we, don't, we don't cook groundhog in Levisburg. Come on.
2: <laughs>
4: I love it.
0: Hey, we love it. Don't, don't forget to follow Facebook, Twitter. Instagram and subscribe on YouTube to all of our loyal watchers and listeners. Please keep sharing. Let's push the true word, the incorrect word, religiously incorrect. I'm Pastor Todd, Pastor Jeff. We have Pastor Harrison and Holbrook and Big Mike. Take us out with my groove.